Hey everyone, welcome to Turning Signals Podcast, episode 5. Shout outs to uh, everyone listening out there, friends and dreamers of all ages, which is now what Disney are, <laughs> that's how they're greeting, no more boys and girls, oh, wow. friends and dreamers of all ages. Interesting. Hmm. How well, are you, that Zoe? That doesn't sound like such a bad thing, but I guess it's in a greater, more politically charged context. Yes, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah. You? Oh, I'm good, yeah. I'm a bit sick of masking, um, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I actually came across yesterday um, old footage of... It was from 2020, about this time in 2020. Mm. Um, when you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel... A little bit better and it might even block a, a droplet but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is and often unintended consequences people keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face yeah that was from 2020 tony fauci, tony fauci. Mm. unmistakable mm. um yeah it's not the best grab but um yeah he said you know he was asked to, to clarify the science around masks and mm. he said there's no point in wearing a mask in the street yeah. and he's talking about you know new york yeah kind of style Gosh. cities yeah um <laughs> i actually looked up the density of new york it's three thousand people roughly depending on the borough on average mm. um per square kilometer right in perth is um 317 per square kilometer right. so i mean yeah i guess obviously a supermarkets more dense than a playground but yeah i'm i keep forgetting my mask oh right yeah so it's annoying but i i don't i don't want it to be normal to be honest oh yeah i agree i don't like the normalization of it at all um and i don't feel like that's a sound argument that people make that it should be normalized i've heard a few people saying that because it's the new normal and Mm -mm. yeah no, especially not for kids. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, what's going on? How are you? Tell uh, us. Uh, yeah, well, I, it's it's a huge time. It feels like it's building to me, um, as I've said, for many weeks. And that is ongoing um, from my perspective. It's the first quarter moon today. Well, actually, it's not technically till tomorrow, but the first, the moon has gone into Cancer, which puts it um, a quarter of the way around the zodiac from the sun in Aries. So there's lots of interesting dynamics just in that alone, an interesting weekend to ponder things as we move into the precise Jupiter-Neptune conjunction next week. Mm. So, um, yeah, there's lots, there's lots to say around that, but I don't know if that's where we want to start or if we should go where I know you had something in mind. Yeah, well, I guess I've been interested to look at the, um, the rise of the metaverse and mm. I guess how it relates to the future of free speech. For me, um, I think... Free speech has been like the topic of the week, maybe. Mm. The topic of, I mean, it's interesting, you know, I've been looking at free speech this week, kind of researching current ideas and conversations, I suppose. And I mean, it's been, it's always been the forefront. I think it's interesting to note the left in in the US, for example, uh, um, talking about amending the First Amendment. Right. That's a worry. <laughs> Tampering with it. Right. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting, you know, we were talking about the the Constitution. Oh, yeah. Or the Bill of Rights. Yeah. But it's in the Constitution, it's the First Amendment. Yes. Is, um, I've actually got it here. Great. I was meaning to look that up, but I've seen it mentioned several times. Russell Brand mentioned it in relation to Elon Musk's right. well, investment yeah. in Twitter this week. Um, so... The First Amendment says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or the press or the right of people peaceably to assemble 
and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Mm. So there's, you know, you hear that the left are the ones pushing to amend that amendment. Right. Um, George Orwell said that thought control Mm. will come from the left. Right, did he? Yeah, he was right about most things. Yes, he certainly was Um, very prophetic. Yeah, and certainly in this case it's leftist Democrats calling for um, changes to the First Amendment. Right. Um, and, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting that that was that's the First Amendment. Mm. I think it's reasonable to interpret that then as the top priority yeah. when, you know, they're setting up a country. Yes, that um, was at the front of their minds that people ought to be able to think and speak freely. Mm. Yeah, so I did a little bit of um, – I gathered a few kind of ideas around free speech, mm. which, yeah, I, I would like to talk about. Please, um, please. But I, I thought actually – before just before I get into that, because um, I guess the domain in which most speech takes place now is the internet, mm-hmm. um, sites like Facebook, and you know the internet is now becoming the metaverse. Mm. Have you? Do you know what the metaverse is? You- well, vaguely, when he announced it, I was you know yeah aware of that, and so well the metaverse is described if you. Look up on Wiki. Um, a metaverse is a network of 3D virtual worlds focused mm. on social connection. In futurism and science fiction, it is often described as a hypothetical iteration of the internet as a single universal virtual world that is facilitated by the use of virtual and augmented reality headsets. Um, if you type into, I used Google, um, what is Facebook's metaverse? comes back with simply put facebook's metaverse is a tightly interconnected set of digital spaces that lets users escape into a virtual world where the rules of technology are the only limits so it's it's an interesting time for you know the internet to be evolving into that virtual reality space Mm. and certainly i think it's a really interesting time for facebook to be making their like hugely like structural changes into virtual reality yeah um so in kind of looking into the metaverse i i started with listening to um the awesome lex friedman podcast yeah he's great yeah love that guy um on a recent episode he interviews mark zuckerberg for like two hours oh wow Mm. um but you know what it's actually not particularly interesting oh bummer yeah i mean and it's, you know, that's no, like, I've got no complaints with Lex Friedman. Mark Zuckerberg, everywhere you see him, he communicates in this way that seems so, like, trained. Mm. You know, he's always he gesturing with his hands. Oh, more than that. Like, he, he, I'm sure that he's been in some kind of very specialized communications training uh, on yeah. how to conceal. I mean, he's a graduate of that um, oh, young the, leader's. Klaus Schwab school. Yeah, yeah. Right. Which is a five-year program, I believe. Okay, interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that until the other day. I can't remember where I came across that, but mm. that's a pretty extensive training. Mm. You know, he's always kind of, you know, I, I've seen him, you know, when he was being interrogated by Congress kind of thing or interviewed or whatever they call that process. You know, he's always got this kind of like this defensive posture. Mm, yes. And, you know, he's always claiming like, we're just trying to bring people together and, you know, let your cousin see the new baby and the, the you know, <laughs> totally like, literal quote. <laughs> wow. um, and, yeah. you know, the Lex Friedman podcast is kind of the same. And he actually, they don't go much into the metaverse, but I will come back to that because um, Lex Friedman does challenge him on free speech and... That, you know, there's a, quite an exciting 20 minutes from that. Yeah, right. Um, but for in focusing on the metaverse, like to begin with, um, there's a, a YouTube channel that I quite enjoy um, called Truth Stream Media. They do some um, great like educational kind of videos, like focusing on like history of the United States. And they do a lot of critiques on um, and analysis on like global issues and stuff. They're funny and witty and really onto it. Um, mm. They have a, a video which they released last year um, called Resurrect Dead on Satin, mm. Surrogates in the Metaverse. 
<laughs> so I'll just explain how that, that um, it's really worth looking at that truth stream media channel. Um, anyway, in this, this video, the analysis of the metaverse, they begin by highlighting um, some of the kind of, they grab some sound bites from like Davos and Klaus Schwab's kind of meetings where there's, you know, these people giving member, uh, sorry, giving speeches about how we've got to create a rental economy where people mm. own nothing and are happy, you know? Oh, yeah, right. Um, and then they go to kind of highlight um, how in the US, for example, corporations are buying up real estate mm -hmm. and like pricing individuals out of the housing market. So they're kind of creating this rental real estate economy. Yes, I've heard about that, yeah. So if you've got all this kind of push towards where we don't own anything as individuals, they they kind of pose the question in this video, um, how would they, you know, the ruling class, get the masses to accept such ridiculous living conditions? Then they say, I think it's all starting to become clear how. Enter the metaverse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Enter meta. Hey, and welcome to Connect. Today, we're going to talk about the metaverse. You know, I was going to have to go here. Facebook, as you've likely heard, because the ads are everywhere now, including the movie theater, they announced right before Halloween that they've officially changed their name to Meta, short for Metaverse. Now, the best way to understand the Metaverse is to experience it yourself. How we actually experience the world and interact with each other. Experience the world, experience experiences. You're going to be able to move across these different experiences in the experience. You're going to be in these experiences. Many of the most immersive experiences, just a fundamentally different experience. You can start to see how the metaverse is going to enable richer experiences and really bring them into these shared experiences. New experiences that you're having to a completely different set of experiences. <laughs> it gets a bit much with the experience. <laughs> different kinds of metaverse experiences, the most important experience of all. Experiences. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, they're funny. They've got a good sense of humor about it um but it gets pretty interesting this video so they go on to analyze the that like keynote they call mm -hmm. it the like mark zuckerberg's facebook presentation of you know what meta is so it kind of starts with you know a bunch of his employees the meta employees spruiking you know how good the metaverse is going to be sure. all of the things that you can access in there like games and clothes <laughs> art that you can purchase to decorate your home. And as well as shit. experiences. And you can gesture with your hands. He's all about the gesturing. Um, <laughs> so anyway, in the video, they focus on, um, they take this, this frame where Mark Zuckerberg is, he's sitting at a desk, you know, presenting. And behind him, there's a bookshelf. On the bookshelf, there's a um, quite prominent, is this, you know, Tashin, the publishing house. Yes. So Tashin's Book of Symbology. Oh, wow. It's like quite prominent That's there. An incredible book. Yeah. So they use that book to then analyze symbols in the presentation. Wow. Which is like a great concept. Mm -hmm. So um, they start then by looking at this, this kind of scene where there's a bunch of millennials in an art gallery. Um, behind them in the art gallery, like the art is... It's all these suns, like suns, like universe. Mm. Some mm. of the suns are like on top of pyramids and stuff. Yeah. But then all the millennials kind of gather around. They're looking at a painting of a tiger attacking a buffalo, which mm. is, you know, quite a famous kind of image. Sure. But the, the one that they use is by Henry Rousseau. Mm -hmm. So according to the Cleveland Museum of Art, um, Rousseau completed that painting while he himself was in prison for fraud. Wow. Which just reminded me of the Orwell quote, all tyrannies rule through fraud and force. But once the fraud is exposed, they must rely exclusively on force. Mm -hmm. Rousseau never actually left France, but painted all of his awesome like jungle scenes and mm. stuff from his imagination. How incredible. Mm. He's one of your favorites. Hey? Well, he was. Yeah, I've got yeah. his book. Um, yeah. So this um, scene, the tiger buffalo, it, it comes to life. Mm. Um, and then this owl springs up from like the grass and takes off into the sky. So according to the Tashin book, um, the owl is the consort of death and the bird who accompanies Athena, the Greek goddess of civilization. That's right. I was going to say mm. Athena's here. Yep. 
They go on to note um, the owl symbolism of death through many cultures. The Sioux tribe believed that owls guarded the gates of the afterworld. The Pueblo Indians associated the owl with their skeleton man, who was the god of fertility and death. So the owl flies up against this sky, which is now it's like really digital. It's kind of moved on from the Rousseau image. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like a setting sun and a rising moon in the sky. Yep. And kind of underneath the moon, there's this like sagonal gateway wow. that's being like reflected in like a, a water body. Mm-hmm. And then above all of that is a huge big satin. Wow. Yeah. They then, in referring back to the Taschen book, there's only two entries there on satin. One of um, the painting of satin devouring his son. Mm-hmm. And the other one just comes under the chapter of prison. Um, they don't really go much further into satin but they do highlight there's like 10 frames where satin is like prominent mm-hmm. in the presentation right and then there's this other like clip in there there's a, a young girl um, talking about her homework with her grandmother mm-hmm. and she's got astronomy homework and grandma's like oh what are you studying exactly satin yeah, well. and so then they take a trip to satin with their they put on their virtual glasses and fly out to satin to check it out right yeah, so that's all pretty fascinating, I thought. Um, the references to Saturn, prison. Yeah. There's a couple of references to prison yeah. in there. Yeah, so I guess moving on to free speech, going back to like Lex Friedman's interview with the Zuck. Well, maybe I'll just mention that in there's a scene where Mark Zuckerberg's getting ready to head out mm-hmm. in, in his presentation. Um, you know, his friends are like, come on, Mark. He's like, just got to find something to wear. Have you seen this? No. <laughs> and so he's like flicking through like his wardrobe and he's got like a space suit in there oh, yes, and he's got like he a would. skeleton costume as well. Hmm. So I'm not sure if he considers himself to be the, the skeleton man, the god of death and fertility or whatever. Yeah, interesting. Well, I mean, can I just refer quickly to Mark Zuckerberg's chart? Sure, sure. Um, so he's a full moon baby. He's um, sun in Taurus and moon in Scorpio. The sun. <laughs> That's, uh, okay, yeah. Sorry. And listen to this. <laughs> so his moon is conjunct Saturn and mm. Mars in Scorpio. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's pretty – his chart's very – interesting in terms of free speech he's got a north node in gemini conjunct chiron his south node therefore is in sagittarius and conjunct uranus so (laughs) it's pretty wild in terms of like interpretation around um uranian themes of i mean he was quoted often as having said he wants to move fast and break things so like that was the facebook kind of agenda from the get-go when he was like in his 20s yes as a younger man yeah yeah, before he got a bit pr savvy yeah Um, and probably before he went through his training too Mm. um when he was a little bit more reckless with his speech a bit more sagittarian a bit more free flow Mm. um and yeah impulsive i guess yeah i could talk about his chart all day but yeah i just wanted to bring that in there that there's like these very dominant themes around exactly the things you're talking about in regards to metaverse in his personal psyche (laughs) that's spooky it is i mean astrology never ceases to amaze so going back to lex friedman he kind of asks mark zuckerberg about free speech it comes up quite early in the interview so mark zuckerberg claims that the censoring that's done online is carried out by AI and has only just become capable of nuancing between, for example, if you were to post an article and be like opposed to it, say that it was like about a violent act and you were opposed to it or you were pro it, previously it would just ban the kind of article. It wouldn't be able to like measure whether like your language around it. Right. But now they can do that. Mm. So, yeah, he claims that there's not really like all of that kind of censorship is done by AI. He claims that Facebook have a fundamental commitment to free expression, direct mm, quote. Interesting. But they are trying to prevent harm. Yeah. He uses the line, you can't yell fire in a crowded theatre, like three or four times. Right. Whatever that means. I think it's a reference to free speech. 
you know. Um, and maybe fear mongering, you know, like that kind of. Yeah. And even like, causing what, if panic. There, what if there is a fire? <laughs> Which is, I think, the situation <laughs> we're dealing with. You can't. <laughs> you got to wait for the alarm. <laughs> I see. Um, <laughs> I see. He says the question is how how do you define what's harmful? That's for him is like the the hard thing. Yes. And can that be decided, mediated by AI? Right. So, yeah, Lex Friedman responds with um, on that. He's like, well, the institutions themselves, CDC, World Health Organization, they themselves are like making these claims of harm, right? And Facebook slash Meta support those claims. Like yeah. they side with those institutions who Lex Friedman kind of argues they've lost the public's trust and yes. like rightfully so because they're, they're paid for by elites right largely. so this all just mark zuckerberg says to lex friedman how would you handle this in my position to which lex friedman responds i would let it lean towards free speech and say that we are not the ones who will define misinformation let there be a public debate and let the ideas stand to win on their own merits yes Great answer. Well, that's free speech. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a PhD in philosophy. Right. As well as a master's in computer science. Okay. Really smart guy. He is, yeah. Um, yeah, to paraphrase like Lex Friedman's kind of ideas around Facebook's free speech, he says um, that effectively that censorship is making like an appeal to authority logical fallacy equivalent to a parent rolling their eyes mm. and saying what's inadmissible or mm. untrue um, in a space where ideas should be free-flowing and debatable. Yeah. It reminded me of that George R. R. Martin quote of um, if you, when you cut out a man's tongue, you're telling the world you fear what he might say. Absolutely. Is that his quote, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's Game of Thrones guy. Yeah. 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 Pretty good writer. Yeah. Anyway, I... I Elon Musk, yeah. <laughs> as he claims to be a proponent of free speech, does, does. self-describes himself as a free speech absolutist. Yes. It may be a new phase for him as he has previously allegedly threatened legal action against former employees and regarding them speaking out about the conditions working for Elon Musk. Right. I think, I mean, that's probably standard practice for a lot of corporations. Oh, yeah, quite likely, yeah. Um, Anyway, he's um, he's purchased 9.2% of Twitter, which I thought was interesting. On the 25th of March, he tweeted, free speech is essential to a functioning democracy. Do you believe Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? Um, so he created a poll. Right. Two million people voted over like two days. 70.4% mm. voted no. Mm -hmm. Then on the 27th of March, he tweeted... Given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? So then, yeah, the next move, I think, on his behalf, his next tweet was, oh, hi, lol, on the day that he bought 9.2% of Twitter. Wow, yeah. Yeah. Well, I applaud that. I, I know I'm very ambivalent about Elon Musk. I... Some things I hear him say and I shudder and some things are like, wow. So I feel like he's sort of from a very optimistic, generous point of view doing what he can do, right, in, in order to aid free speech potentially if we look at it from – and the reason that I sort of say that is because I watched a couple of little videos of him this week that – or since this has happened. So what did he say? So interestingly, he's born um, just a few days before – Julian Assange. So they both have quite similar charts, main difference being their moons. Julian mm -hmm. Assange has moon in Scorpio and Elon Musk has moon in Virgo. Um, but they're both at their Chiron return at the moment. Interesting. Um, and they're both also born under a Jupiter-Neptune conjunction like we're experiencing currently. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, let me just find this. So... He said, um, every time you Google search, you're building the digital group mind. So mm. that is a thing that we should all be aware of. He also talked about um, that everyone should own their own data. Mm -hmm. And of course that's true. And he also talks about how um, 
government regulation should be necessary for artificial intelligence and um, what he talks about as AGI, which is artificial general intelligence. And this, I don't know when he actually, so the video I watched was from a year ago, but he may have said that long before that. And I don't know if he still holds that view that government regulation should be necessary and that everyone should own their own data. But I think it's a it's a huge issue that governments have absolutely dropped the ball when it comes to regulating the online space and that that we have no um, – there are no real regulations. It is all done by technocracy, technocrats, mm. people like Mark Zuckerberg to regulate themselves, which of course <laughs> – um, they do with an agenda in mind and the data farming that's going on. Mm. <laughs> so, um, it's and interesting uh, to consider that. Um, but my initial... The, yeah, sorry, no, I'll just on. say like, and can, you can't, I mean, we know now governments are not to be trusted anyway. So even well, if we were to give it to governments to regulate the online space and things around, you know, digital data and all of that kind of stuff, they clearly can't be trusted with that task because they'll just sell to the highest bidder. Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, do we want to hand more power to the government? Yeah, but no, as well, certainly like- not. But I, I, like, I like the idea behind, you know, if states functioned the way they should yes. democratically with, yeah. like, people, um, you know, elected into power for good reason um, and then they had integrity themselves and they actually wanted to protect people's data and protect people um, and not in a way that we all have to be vaccinated and masked but in a way that actually facilitates our own decision-making and, you know, empowered functioning in the world. Yeah. But that clearly isn't happening. So in a perfect world, yes, government regulation might be a, a positive thing, but we know now that is not the case. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not sure that there's any kind of big daddy who can save us. But oh, may, maybe Elon. Yes. Elon. Maybe. <laughs> but he, Stepping I think he's kind his... of worth, you know, he's on his own evolutionary path. Of course. And he's probably worth giving the benefit of the doubt. Yes. Oh, so I think that he kind of, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a really good observer. He responds all the time to things that are happening. And I, th- I think he's been watching the decline of um, the democratic internet pretty closely. So um, he's taking like action that, yes. on it. Yeah. I think it's probably a, a good development. A lot of the Twitter employees apparently are quite unhappy because it was really going in their direction. Right. Of being able to kind of censor, you know, Donald Trump, for example. Yeah. That. And those kind of like conservatives and really kind of push their own ideologies, which I think now that's going to, it ain't going to work like that. No. It's certainly the direction is not going to continue mm. in that way. So it's interesting as well. Elon Musk and Julian Assange both have their north node in Aquarius conjunct Mars in Aquarius. Um, So Aquarius is to do with technology um, and the internet and, um, you know, free speech as well as collectivism, you know, um, that, yeah, to me feels like quite a dense shadow of Aquarius, the collectivism, um, that anything can be justified in the name of the group um, so I, it's interesting to think about how Julian Assange's interpretation of that is to, you know, absolutely go after like this First Amendment right, freedom of the press. Mm. And in a similar way, potentially Elon Musk is doing a similar kind of thing, um, obviously not as extreme and blowing things out of the water as you would expect from a moon in Scorpio, but more like that Virgo moon um, but he could be service-oriented, you know. He could have this kind of greater good in mind in a kind of a genuine way. Um, anyway, remains to be seen. But, um, and I'm, mm. I'm, yeah, as I said, I'm ambivalent about him and I have been quite fearful <laughs> of him in the past and what he might do. But, yeah, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt in this case and see where it leads why were you, can I ask, what, because you mentioned that to me yesterday, that you had previously been quite fearful of him. What What was that about? I guess just 
just imagine him or previously perhaps had imagined him among the elites, but he may not be quite of that ilk and I'm not sure. I mean, I I looked up um, another name this week um, and read Sapiens, Yuval Harari, Yuval Noah Harari. Yeah. Um, which I hadn't read before, though I'd, you know, wanted to. And, um, yeah, I haven't been able to find a connection between those two people. But, of course, Harari is an advisor to Klaus. Yeah. And um, has some incredibly frightening. (laughs) So I guess I sort of imagined Elon in that kind of way, but I might have had the wrong end of the stick. But I know lots of people have pretty oh so you were talking you're thinking like along the lines of biohacking uh yeah and, and transhumanism yeah. i mean that is a thing with elon musk he has Neuralink. so um one of his projects is Neuralink, which um last year he was talking about um the brain computer interface and how he can last year they were implanting microchips into the brains of chimpanzees and they were progressing to human implantation this year I haven't read anything about that yet this year. I'm sure it's <laughs> plenty going on behind the scenes. But it is that brain-computer interface thing that, I mean, that's transhumanism, right? And that's, you know, same kind of lead that Harari's taking that we can... He The final chapter in his book, Sapiens, is... Oh, it's the afterword. The animal that became a god... So he's very – and he refers to um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in his last chapter. And interestingly, M- Mary and Percy Shelley were really Uranian in a similar kind of way to Elon Musk and, yeah, I, in a similar kind of way to a lot of these – like Mark Zuckerberg, like there's these themes of future orientation, like where we're going mm. and that is one of – Harari's big questions he says what do we want we need to think about that as a thing but he he dismisses pushes aside the apt Frankenstein Mary Shelley's warnings about playing God and focuses instead on the potentials for fun quote fundamental transformations in human consciousness and identity and questions of human enhancement which um, yeah it's a very challenging terrain i think i mean mm. who are we to <laughs> to take these kinds of things on and he he talks about us being as human beings accountable to no one which brings it's in all the entirely God godless yeah, like it's it's godless you mentioned it's completely last week. godless yeah um and i you know i you say that and you sound like a, a god botherer <laughs> yeah. but i mean I don't think. I, don't, I mean, what about I conscience? I don't think that that's <laughs> even. We're not. It's not responsible, and it's not necessary. No. Like you can, yeah. I don't know, but these people are. They need to be stopped. Or I mean, I was thinking about. I've been listening to the audio book, um, the Gulag Archipelago, mm. and I've you know I've really struggled with listening to that because it's so horrible. Mm-hmm. It's horrific. Yes. Um, Despairing. But it's beautifully written yes. and it's beautifully narrated. The narration, the audio book is incredible. So the last week I've actually just been like, no, I've listened to it. It wasn't, it wasn't written to make people depressed. It's an incredible piece of art. Mm. And, you know, it's a warning. There's so much that you can take from it. Um, yeah. And listening to it this week, I, you know, he gives this one... Um, encounter this one experience that he has where he's in a cell with like 20 guys and there's like two guards Mm. and 20 guys Mm. and i thought how is it that people didn't why did no one take down the guards Mm. why did they not and so you know it's easy to answer that question it's fear but i think in that chapter solzhenitsyn says um you know how how does one survive in this kind of, you know, in the gulags, he says that you need to accept that once you once you're arrested, you're dead, your life is over. Yeah, I've read that quote. Yeah. Yeah. So your family are gone. You are mm. dead to them. They are dead to you. Mm. 
your body is not yours anymore. Like all you've got is your mind and your spirit. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, he survived. So anyway, I just think with this kind of, you know, being microchip, this transhumanism, it takes participation. It's the yes. same with like COVID and masking and everything. Like you know, this biohacking, you need to give up your body for it. Mm. We still have the opportunity to say no. We do have the opportunity to resist at least for now and whether or not, yeah, I mean, how long that lasts, I don't know. But my hope is for the kind of parallel society emergence that um, mm. Academy of Ideas, he talks about that a lot, that we we rise up in our own ways of being. We don't – and that is another thing about how much energy we spend in resistance and whether we are better off investing our energy in just forming new ways of being in the world that are non-participatory with the current systems. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's a a really important thing to think about, like where our energy goes at this point given that – there's always only so much time and energy in any given moment. So, um, yeah, I just got um, Solzhenitsyn's chart here and, yeah, he's also born at the first quarter square moon, the first quarter moon, I should say. Um, so sun in Sagittarius conjunct the north node and moon in Pisces. So he had um, – and where's his Jupiter? Oh, in Cancer. So um, he had – some serious like buoyancy to draw on as a psyche Mm. like that not everyone else would have obviously been able to I mean millions of people died in the gulags didn't they Mm. and um he was one of those who survived and managed to turn it into some kind of advantage in a way in terms of what he was able to then convey to humankind on his you know emergence from that awful time and experience um but yeah, I mean, not everyone could do that, and I think he was, as a soul, well positioned to. I mean, he took his calling, he heard his calling, and he heeded it, and he did what he could, which is a remarkable gift. And mm. that's all any of us can ever do. And there's always limitations foisted upon all of us, and that you know, his was a literal hell. Like mm. it couldn't really get much worse than what he he witnessed and experienced himself so yeah um yeah we can always like (laughs) kind of temper our own you know (laughs) moaning maybe (laughs) about our lot compared with something like that but as well we have to honor like that time our time is difficult out and what we're experiencing now in the world is difficult too so Mm. um yeah can I just finish my free speech? Please speech? do. Yes, I didn't mean to. Take no, not at all. It's, the rains. We there. um should move on. But Jordan Peterson gave a speech just recently at Cambridge University. I've been meaning to look at that. Yeah, it's good. good. Of um, course, it is. <laughs> I took a couple of notes. Uh, um, he said, "Free speech is identical to freedom of thought, associated with deep listening." Mm-hmm. It is the mechanism by which we generate the conceptions that allow us to organize our experience in the world. Mm -hmm. And moreover, (laughs) (laughs) the mechanism that allows us to reformulate and criticize. Sorry, I won't do that. (laughs) The mechanism that allows us to reformulate. That's good, but I don't know how it will translate to the audience. (laughs) Sorry. The mechanism that allows us to reformulate and criticize those conceptions when they've become outdated and sterile. So, you know, dot, 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 so we can move into the future. He closes by saying, if you are concerned with oppression, why would you oppose free speech? It's the only thing the oppressed have. Oh, I know. And that there's so much poignancy in that. God. And he's a Gemini, so I'm just looking for his chart here, but. He is a Gemini with Taurus rising and I think a pretty highly rated chart from memory. Yeah, so that freedom of speech thing is he's doing God's work in in his own life by being an advocate for free speech because it is so important and it is a very important thing for us to talk about now given, you know, these 
interesting figures, you know, public figures, Elon Musk and Julian Assange sharing similar charts, born at a similar time, um, as was Jada Pinkett Smith, you know, like mm. bringing in that kind of like it's her car on return too and freedom of speech in that regard like chris rock's right to make a joke and not get slapped like mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um so yeah there's a lot it's it's definitely zeitgeist and it's definitely but yeah please continue if you have i could just give you my my thoughts mm. i just wrote 20 words yeah please i can't help but think about the limiting of free speech as, um, you know, in a political sense, it's like this extension of the insulating and the cod- the coddling of, you know, the supposed fragile or vulnerable, which, yeah. you know, the left just seems so hell-bent on this, like, coddling via reconstructing speech on their terms. Yes. And I, I would definitely argue that f- this kind of fr- fragility needs to be met with, like, conflict safe conflict Mm. or like obstacle so that the fragility can so that people can like strengthen and grow and evolve yes as per anti-fragility's kind of precepts of getting stronger as a result of having been opposed all of these like actions to coddle and insulate people it's it's like there's this political intent to weaken our society yeah and certainly like the limits of free speech will continue that trend. Yes. And we mentioned how similar things are going on in Australia. Um, If ScoMo gets his way, he's going to introduce new legislation around freedom of speech. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, hey? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, absolutely. And it is in terms of the Gemini and uh, I mean I really watched closely arguments around free speech through um, Gemini North Node time while the eclipses were in Gemini Sagittarius and as well like following on from that we've had Black Moon Lilith um, as a mathematical point not as an actual astronomical body but um, she remains in Gemini until this week so she's moving into cancer this week but she's also square to the jupiter neptune conjunction which i feel like this jupiter neptune conjunction ties into a lot of what you've talked about this morning in terms of like the metaverse and this incredible like um seductive distraction of vr Mm -hmm. um virtual reality and like you know is that what we want to do with our time mm. really living in a virtual reality I, I know it's not for me and i but i'm also aware of my own luddite tendencies that i i do prefer the real world <laughs> 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 um but whether you know hearkening back to something you said earlier about like we have to stop these people like there's an element here that we need to name of potentially inevitability like, mm. you know, these people have so much power and our resistance may well be futile and we, you know, come a couple of generations time, as Yuval Harari talks about, it's like this time will be nothing in 20 mm. years. We think it matters now, but of course we do because we're in it. But, you know, in 20 years, 50 years, 100 years, 70,000 years it doesn't matter and we will move into this world where we are um, enhanced <laughs> thanks to these trailblazers. Human enhanced. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I I don't want that to be the case and I will fight tooth and nail for, you know, this whole thing to take a better – yeah, and I, I also believe as well as I always bang on about, you know, Eris and the fact that you can't – they can't account for mystery. So they might think they've got it all sewn up and they've got it figured out and that they will persist with their... What I, I can't imagine how... I mean, as he argues in the book, it's justified by through, you know, the reasoning that it's for health. People's yeah. health will benefit. But it's, it's interesting because in the same, you know, Bill Gates, Ted talk about... We've got too many people in the world and we need to get rid of some. Mm-hmm. Next minute he's talking about vaccination programs and, you know, like the um, 
conveniently, interestingly, um, all of that. So it's very mixed up and messy, but yeah. Anyway, I'm rambling. I found Jordan Peterson's chart. So yeah, he is a man of our time and I feel like he's doing his utmost. He's got Saturn in Aquarius. His darndest. Yeah, his darndest. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah, he's always been about the free speech. I think that was actually... Yeah, That's was, when he came to fame, isn't it? Because yeah. he argued in Canada for free speech. and um, That and he the, wouldn't be forced to... It was around the pronouns, so it, it was, was hyper controversial. And that controversial. was something else that you wanted to talk about, I thought, this week. And the, the, the swimmer, hey? The, oh, yeah. Anyway, I, well, I was thinking, actually, that maybe we could um, kind of form a bit of an episode around, sure. like, gender fluids. Oh, right, yes. And, yes. Um, yeah, language. Yes. Around that too. Which, yeah, ties in very well to free speech and mm. all of the above. Not I feel like all these issues tie in so well. Of course. Everything we're talking it, about I'm, is so like what's happening. It's yeah. all intertwined. Yeah. And the astrology mind. helps to make sense of it and to sort of navigate it in a way. Because, yeah, I mean, every all energy exists on a spectrum bit like gender (laughs) Mm. um you know so we express it in whatever ways um depending upon many variables so Mm. like and as a collective we express it and then as individuals we express it express it and um we can do that only with the amount of consciousness we've got really Mm. um and i don't say that to denigrate the unconscious because energy is still expressed unconsciously more often than not and that is not always a negative mm. so that's really important too to be aware of that that we're because consciousness gets positioned as i mean i wrote about this recently as the savior but um we can never be 100 percent conscious 100 percent of the time mm. it's just not realistic and um there is that to me, that's a bit of a shadow of the Jupiter-Pisces thing, this idea, sorry, Jupiter-Neptune in Pisces. Um, and th- I know there's a big movement, a lot of people believing in um, the ascension and aliens mm. coming and um, <laughs> similar to like Big Daddy coming to save us. You know, like I, I really react against that. I feel like that's not a helpful way to think about this time because we really do need to take back personal responsibility for our own lives and not expect that anyone's coming to save us on a white horse whether it's like jesus who you know at the rallies locally there's a lot of that kind of shout outs to jesus jesus is coming look busy yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and so yeah but as well that there is a light aspect to of course the jupiter neptune thing and um maybe i could talk about that quickly sure so yeah the conjunction is on the 12th which is tuesday i think um and so it closes out the last cycle that commenced in aquarius in 2009 so the jupiter neptune conjunctions are um consecutive like they go through they have one in each or usually one per sign um you know every 12 years or how many no it's not that i can't remember how many years it is um anyway and that cycle in 2009 began with chiron there and so i think i just wanted to briefly mention that that throughout that period of time we've seen a lot of technological advancement um for example like smartphones in everyone's hands Mm. um, since that time i mean they were around before then but now they're ubiquitous aren't they is that the word everyone's got one Mm. most people have one even in developing nations they're pretty common so yeah just thinking about the shadow of aquarius again and yes it absolutely does have one and we need to talk about that regularly as part of our turning signals idea because Aquarius and the age of Aquarius is not our saviour either. We have to actually navigate this and we, you know, we can only do that with the resources that we have available to us individually and then coming together as a collective. So it is definitely about like, as I mentioned last week, like the brotherhood or sisterhood, humanhood that Martin Luther King talked about as a positive thing, but there is always a shadow to that so and who is included in that like are we also going to invite elon musk into our circle and trump and 
ScoMo and Mark McGowan. You know, like there's, you know, there's people that get rejected mm. um, from the circle, from any group, you know, because not everyone fits. Like people don't want to include pedophiles, you know, mm. <laughs> dare I say it. Um, yeah, so... Anyway, it's important to think about that as a phenomenon. And, um, yeah, so this Jupiter-Neptune conjunction closes out that last cycle and it is actually square to Gemini, uh, Black Moon Lilith in Gemini. So it connects to that conversation around free speech, information, disinformation, misinformation. Optimistically, Jupiter-Neptune is a beautiful moment in time it can be very optimistic and like rose-tinted glasses kind of, you know, we can be overly optimistic. Um, we can receive visions and inspiration. It's a beautiful creative time and a time for, you know, potent spiritual peak experiences. But as well, my sense of it has been largely like overwhelm. And as I've talked about several times, the mass disillusionment, as well as like the confusion, deception, delusion, distraction, escapist tendencies with all the usual suspects like drugs and alcohol or, you know, social media and television and whatever else. Yeah, I, I guess it's, there's a full spectrum of potentials available to us and there's a quote I wanted to share which is Charles Baudelaire who was born he's the French poet who was born with Aries sun and Cancer moon he said oh, this is actually from a poem but I've just truncated this little excerpt one should always be drunk that's all that matters but with what with wine with poetry or with virtue as you choose but get drunk which feels like a pretty <laughs> good Jupiter-Neptune quote, and he does have quite a prominent Neptune. Um, anyway, but that ties into those, you know, the spectrum of potentials that are available to us and that various people of various consciousness and various other, you know, things going on in our lives as functioning human beings will attune to particular frequencies at any given point. Mm-hmm. Um and whether how we do that changes on a moment-to-moment basis based on so many different things. So I have certainly been experiencing like a kind of overwhelm periodically over the last couple of months, I guess, um, sort of ebbs and flows, but I keep sort of coming back to this sense of overwhelm when I look at the state of the world now. It feels very heavy. It feels very – I feel like grief is really – appropriate Um, and when I go into those places of grief and mourning I remember that I have to practice seeking divine support and grace and mercy that is available to us anytime we are willing to humble ourselves and ask and you know prostrate ourselves you know like get on our knees and cry or whatever it is we've got to do to and feeling into the sense of what we are experiencing now as we witness the world and even just being in our own lives and what what that is about and even like the uncertainty of the future and how is it going to we have no idea we actually have no idea how it's all going to look in five years or you know Mm. not long ago we could two years ago we could sort of like imagine a trajectory for ourselves and like i'm not sure goals and i mean i guess we could have but it would have been inaccurate of course it would Mm. of course but like the point is that we were in this illusion like Mm. that thing that we could do that and that illusion has been snatched away from us and thank goodness that it has but that that equals disillusionment doesn't it Mm. so whether we like practice spiritually through meditation or contemplation or prayer or Or breath work sure i mean (laughs) i mean and i I don't even i'm not even being patronizing like it it is an experience of union of sorts to Mm -hmm. be drunk and you know as baudelaire said it's like choose your poison but yeah, be drunk I, I mean, and it, have this kind of experience that transcends the personal 
And I think we can do that um, this week to to a beautiful effect and in the sense that we, as we humble ourselves, like I, th- I feel like it demands a sense of humility and feeling and um, and asking to be held and we will be. You know, there is that mercy and grace available to us and um and it can be through some like other things like immersion in the imaginal realm like visual art or music or poetry or cinema or prose or even tv all of those things can be healing experiences as well as like getting drunk or having some kind of psychedelic experience or like um what's the word i'm looking for psychoactive experience Mm -hmm. but i'm not necessarily advocating for that because it can easily go awry like the as I've mentioned before the inflation around Jupiter Neptune is the potential for inflation is huge and we do want to be on earth Mm -hmm. we are earthlings I think the last quote is another Baudelaire which I got such an emotional sense of the time from this little quote which As a small child, I felt my heart in two contradictory feelings, the horror of life and the ecstasy of life. I feel like both those things are true. Hmm. What have I got? (laughs) It's it's on a different spectrum, Mm. but it's an Orwell quote. Cool. And I think it's broader than what it sounds. All rulers in all ages have tried to impose a false view of the world upon their followers. I think that's really good because we shouldn't lose sight of our... (laughs) We are in this moment, but there have been many moments before now that have felt like the end of the world and Hmm. they weren't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so here we are again and, you know, we'll look back in all likelihood on this and we won't be cyborgs. We are at the mercy Maybe of all our, <laughs> our lenses. Yes. Yeah. And we have a variety of lenses. And I, yeah, I think it's good to allow this week for um, the Jupiter-Neptune lens to give us like a sense of, yeah, that we do belong to the divine and we do come from something that is is unified. That includes... Yuval Noah Harari and Klaus Schwab and we're all and I and that as well ties into the thing of um like everyone is an expression of God and you just don't Mm. know like you actually don't know when you encounter someone they are I mean we should you can't always do this of course we're just human beings and we meet people and we disagree and we you know they rub us the wrong way and all the rest of it but it's like meeting people as a face of God and that other um, you are another me and I am another you there's a I've lost that term but yeah Heath Ledger as well he was born with sun in Aries and moon in Cancer wanted to shout out to Heath I meant to do that at the start but yeah he says if you're just safe about the choices you make you don't grow which ties into much of what you said too about the safety and like he he had that weird thing between the moon in cancer which is very protective and safe and the sun in Aries which is like and then he says I like to do something I fear so it's like Mm. he had that thing of and you can see it in him and he had heaps of Pisces too in his chart so He was a very tortured kind of soul feeling the pain. I was going to say that explains it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it does. And compassion, you know, that's a big one with Pisces and Jupiter and Neptune. Compassion for selves and compassion for others. All right. Wrap it up. I always remember things later, but yeah, same. let's leave it for this week. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for the chat. As always, heaps to... Heaps to talk about, heaps to digest. Um, yes. We'll catch up again next week. Libra full moon. What day? Uh, so it's on Easter Sunday. It's on the Sunday. Yeah, so we might talk either before or after that. Maybe we'll have a, a special full moon Easter Ooh. Sunday special. Eat, eat some chocolate on, on air. On air. <laughs> Get some like ASMR sounds going. <laughs>
<laughs> It'll be a crossover episode. <laughs> cool. All right. Um, thanks again, Zoe. Thank you, Liam. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, listeners. Keep on keeping on. We'll see you next time. Ta-da.